Before you sit down, look at your neighbor and say revival. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We certainly give honor to the leader and the bishop and the overseer of this great church and ministry. Amen. Bishop Rogers, we certainly thank God for you and your labor in the Lord. Uh, it's not easy in a foreign land to build a home. And uh, certainly this is a home for pilgrims that's passing through. And you have certainly made this a place where we can come and feel like we indeed are on our way to heaven. And I thank God for this beautiful spirit that you have in the house. Uh, praying that you will continue to grow and see great things as God manifests himself. <clears throat> thank God for each of you here tonight. Thank God for my friends in the back. God bless you, man and woman of God. And all of you, the Lord's people. Uh, God bless you, man of God. I tell you, amen. I believe you could make a match burn in the wind. <laughs> well, you know, Moses was at the burning bush, and he was wondering, scratching his head, and said, let me see. Uh, that, fire, that fire should have gone out by now. And he turned aside to see, and God met him there. That's uh, what you recreated here spiritually. Uh, you came up, and the enigma of a burning bush happened. And everyone had to, y'all, we had to worship. We were drawn into praise and worship. Amen. The person who's standing here leading this does make a difference. Amen. Everybody can't do it. People do it differently, but everybody can't do it. And I was inspired uh, to see the unique way you brought us right into the presence of the Lord. Had us at the Grand Ole Opry. And then he had us foot stomping in the holiness church <laughs> amen a lot of our praises does have an origination uh, in country music the dance we thank god tonight open your bibles to the fifth chapter of acts and like you said something is going to happen tonight god is going to move by his spirit and we are looking for God to bless. Uh, Bishop, I want to encourage you in the word and along with your church and ministry uh, because uh, we're in a fight now. And uh, so much has happened uh, just in my lifetime. I've seen the spiral down 
of the federal of the church. Uh, the church is not as anointed as it used to be, but it has the potential to be even more anointed. Uh, we, we're going through those highs and lows <clears throat> that uh, John prophesied of in Revelations. This is certainly La Laodicean church. It depends on what church you're in on how hot the fire is. And most of the time, the church is just cruising along lukewarm. You can have people on fire for God, and then you can have a refreshing from the Lord, uh, but somewhere in the middle is where the church is living. Because if you mix hot and cold together, you get lukewarm. And God says, I'm displeased with lukewarm. I want you to be refreshing or I want you to be on fire. You know, I want you to be filling with the Holy Spirit or I want you to be burning uh, out the stenches of sin. Uh, and so we've got a lot to do. And I believe, uh, Bishop, that uh, your church is one of those whom God has anointed and have touched uh, to be a in-time ministry where people will come to be saved. Because everybody who's getting, quote, saved, not going to heaven. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, that there would, they will catch fish in the end time, that there will be a great catching of fish. <laughs> And then the angels will come and take out the ones that are fit and take the other ones and cast them back, back into the river. The way they fished in those days where they let down the net, they wasn't putting a worm on a um, hook, but they were letting down a net and they would drag the net and when they would drag the net close to shore, then they would lift and pull that net into the ship. And when they pulled that net in, there were more than just fish in the net. And then there were all kinds of fish and fishes in the net. So they would take time to take the stuff out that wasn't worth anything. Uh, things that weren't fish, uh, and they would throw it back over and only bring to shore that which they could eat and use. And, and the Bible says this is how it's going to be in the last day. Many are called. Am I right? But only a few are chosen. And, and we want to make sure we're one of the ones uh, that's on our way to heaven. Matthew 5 and 12 and the hands of the apostles, and by the hands of the apostles, were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were the more added to the Lord, 
multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter's passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Revival. Revival. Thank God for the reading of his word. Let me tell you the story, because the story I'm going to tell you that culminates in these verses is what's going to have to be duplicated today. In order for us to see revival, what happened then must happen now. Will you walk with me? And I'm not going to go through the verses per se, but I'm going to tell you the story back in the third chapter of Acts. Uh, one day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, about three o'clock in the afternoon. So they were on their way to prayer. And when they got to prayer, they were going to pray at the temple. And I want to set this scene up for you so that you can understand exactly how it happened. As they uh, at the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the temple's uh, veil was rent. And the high priest could no longer go into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices because it was rent when Jesus died. But the Jews kept their tradition of going to worship. So they would go to the temple and they would worship at the temple daily, maybe twice a day. And, and you'll see them going at hours of prayer and worship. And going to the temple, there, was an, there were two elevations. You would come up to the temple, and as I drove up upon uh, the property here, and I was looking at this beautiful facility, and, and I was looking at us going up into the church, and of course there was a ramp on the side. I said, now which one am I going to take? You know, But, but you, ele you elevated up into the temple. Now, out in your yard was the court of the Gentiles. Everybody came in into the court of Gentiles. And from there, those that would worship the Jews would then step up into the outer courts. And when they got to the outer courts, that's where most of the, of the Jewish activities were. They were there doing their worship. And on one side, they would prepare their animals for sacrifice so that they can go into uh, the, 
the outer court and those things happened. But then there was a second elevation into the inner courts. And going into the inner courts, uh, they were uh, pronounced as you go up by columns. And these columns were called going up into Solomon's porch. Okay, now everybody didn't go into Solomon's porch. But when the, uh, the church got started and people were being saved and part of their going to the church, going to the temple rather, to carry on their activities of worship, they would go up to the edges of Solomon's porch. So they would go up into this elevation and they would be up there worshiping and praising God. And God would bless them as they went up there. So here comes Peter and John uh, walking and they were headed through the outer court, getting ready to go in, going out of the court of the Gentiles, getting ready to go into the outer court. And so as they were getting ready to go, this man was laying over here, uh, couldn't walk. And, 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 and Peter and John noticed him. And they fixed their eyes on him. And he was sitting there noticing them, watching him. And when he saw them, their, their eyes met. So now the, 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 the lame man got excited. Because he knew that normally if he could establish eye contact, they were getting ready to give him some money. So he looked at them expecting them to give him some money. So uh, he's getting ready to get some money. And they looked at him, and when they looked at him, he, they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man jumped up, stood up, and his, his bones started strengthening, his limbs started strengthening, and he got excited because he couldn't now move. Now, he did more than just walk because now he was excited at the fresh strength in his legs. And so he began to jump and praise God. Peter and John kept walking, so he clutched them and walked with them up into this court. And when he got up into the outer court, out of the yard... People looked around and recognized that this was the man that couldn't walk. And they were looking and, and they were gathering down at the bottom of the porch looking at Peter, John, and the lame man. Peter took an opportunity. He saw an occasion because a crowd was gathering. See, you don't have to wait till somebody invites you to church to preach because God will use you if you will let him and when people see the move of God they will gather to see what's going on and there you have an instant congregation so Peter says why are you looking why are you so surprised 
Why are you looking as if we did something? It was Jesus that did this. The one that you rejected, the one that you crucified. He's the one by faith in his name. And what's his name? If faith in his name, Jesus, have this man been made whole. And, and Peter preached to them. And, pre, and while Peter was preaching and witnessing to them of the prophets, the people were looking and they were amazed at what was happening. And so while they were preaching, the, the Sadducees and the chief priests heard the commotion. So they came over to see what was going on. And then they became annoyed because they were teaching, because Peter and John was teaching the people about Jesus. And when these guys had just crucified him, he resurrected. They just had paid the folk off to say someone stole his body. So now here they are out there preaching about Jesus. And here's this lame man running around saying, I'm healed. And Peter and John says, it was in the name of Jesus. And, and the, the priests and the Sadducees had them arrested. Say, so they want them locked up because they didn't want these guys preaching about Jesus. Now, they put them in jail. And so the next day they came together and they set Peter and John in and, the and, and midst and says, now, now tell us again, but what authority have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, turned around and, and told them again that the stone which the builder has rejected has been made the chief cornerstone. So y'all turned him away and y'all thought you killed him. But this same Jesus has made this lame man whole. And there is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. And they began to preach Jesus to these guys. And, and, and when they saw Peter and John talking about Jesus... And how they were eloquent in their gospel message. They looked at these rugged fishermen who had no education, who had no college degree, who had no internship in a school or anything. But they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. It makes a difference when you study Jesus. This this ministry here has a Bible college that teaches about Jesus. And when you learn about Jesus, see, you got to want to know more about him. The disciples spent three and a half years with him, night and day. And some of us are frustrated about coming two or three times a week to college or coming once in a while to, to church to learn about Jesus sporadically. When these disciples, before they were released, they had spent their waking hours and their sleeping hours with Jesus. They have touched and felt and handled the word of life. 
Peter and John had done these things. And so these priests and Sadducees, you see, and, and in other situations, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't get along. But Jesus made friends out of enemies because they figured that Jesus being their common foe got together to try to destroy Jesus. Now here they were coming back together again to get rid of his disciples. So they told them not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said to them, now you judge for yourself. Let's look at this. Should we obey you or should we obey God? And they said, we cannot give up speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. It's going to get better in a minute. And so they had to let them go. And when they let them go, of course, God began to move and people were healed and delivered and set free. God was moving by his power. And when these guys got away from the scribes and the Pharisees, they got away from the law, y'all. And they came back to church and, and the people were rejoicing at how God had answered prayer. And the multitude became of one heart and soul. And then the Bible said they began to make all things common. Now I want to stick something in here for your uh, intellectual study. Uh, you, if you notice, this is the one place in the Bible, uh, in the book of Acts, where they came together and made all things common. It happened once and never happened again. I want to help to shed some light on what possibly was the cause of that not happening again. Will you walk with me? So they, they sold everything they had they, and, and brought it all together and they had everything in common. And, and, and the apostles with great power began to preach the word of God and, and everything that they had, they sold it and brought it at and put it at the apostles' feet so that they could distribute it as they would. Over in, in the fourth chapter in the 36th and the 37th verse, we can see a good deed going wrong. Uh, everybody had everything common. And I'm going to get back to that word in a minute. But this, uh, this Levite named Joseph, okay, had a piece of land and sold it and brought the money and gave it to the apostles. Now, there's a lot of irony in this because the Levites, according to the Levitical law of Moses, were not supposed to own a, profit, a property. But we see as in the course of years through the Old Testament that, that the Levites gradually began to own property. I, I looked at the prophet Jeremiah when, uh, when he bought land. And he had a Levitical background, but he bought land because he knew uh, Daniel's prophecy that in 70 years they would go into captivity, but they'd be in captivity for 70 years. 
But at the end of the 70 years, the Jews would be turned, could go back to the and, and And Jeremiah, being aware of the prophet's prophecy, understood that the 70 years were coming to an end. And so while the property was still in the hands of their captors, now you're talking about faith. While it was still in the hands of the captors, Jeremiah bought land. Now how many of you can trust God enough that even though your stuff belongs to the captor, that you can go ahead and move by faith? You may not have your property yet, could you at least go ahead and buy a couch to put in it? You may not have your job yet, but can you at least get clothes for the job that you want? See, a lot of folk don't get what they want from God because they don't move by faith. Single ladies, why don't you start acting like you're married to a good man. Carrying yourself where a man that's looking for a good woman will see you and say, that'll make me a good wife. A man that finds a what? A woman. Finds a what? A woman. A woman. A man that finds, he's looking for a wife. He's not looking for a woman. And some of us trying to make ourselves a pretty woman. Make yourself a good wife. That won't cost you anything. So Joseph sold his field and sold the property. And when he sold the property, uh, it caught on. He, he, must have got, he must have sold it, brought it up to Solomon's porch and put the money in the offering. And, and they must have made a, good, a big deal about it. They must have made a big deal about it because Ananias and Sapphira saw it. And they went. <laughs> and sold a piece. Barnabas sold his, his property. They sold a piece. And then brought some of the money. Let's kind of dip. See, some people come for praises. But let me move on. They, they come to, to want the attention. But when they came, uh, as you know, uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit showed Peter. And he told Anna and I said, why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? You know that ain't God. And the man fell dead. The men wrapped him up, took him out. Laid on his wife. Imagine getting ready, come to church. She had to do a little more. Ananias went on ahead. She comes walking in, getting ready to think everybody's going to clap their hands when she walked in. But when she walked in, what happened to her? She fell dead too. So Said that she, uh, Peter said, the men that took your husband out are coming back to get you. She popped and fell dead. 
Now, let me go back to this, when they had all things common. That word common means to bring everything down to a same level. See, God has poured out his Holy Spirit, and God had blessed folk in the church through the preaching and the teaching of the apostles. And when the Lord began to move and the Holy Spirit fell and everybody started speaking in tongues, then the people got too common with their leaders. They got too common with their leaders. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. Because they started saying that, look, we can all have the same thing. See, uh, uh, if two teams were playing against each other and both one team won and another team lost, common means that they both would have got the prize. You see? You work hard and do all you can do to excel, and you are due for a promotion. And you get your promotion looking for a raise, and you get a raise, and the people that uh, did not get a raise found out they got a raise with you even though you got promoted. So now you're doing more work for the same money. In other words, common means putting everything on the same level so that there is no difference. God did not want the church to succumb to an identity where everybody is the same. There has to be a difference. In order to respect the word of God, there has to be a difference between the leader and the people, not in the sense of the anointing. You understand? Because I'm going to show you what happened here. So when they did that, if you'll look, that great fear, 5 and 11, came upon the church. When that woman fell dead, Ananias and Sapphira fell dead, great fear came upon the church. And, and after fear came upon the church, in verse 12, in what I read to you, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Fear came upon them again. And now God could use the men and the women of God to work miracles. But when we go into churches that have everything common, when your leader says do something, you'll sit there and say, I'm saved just like she is. It's got to be a difference. If the word comes from, from the bishop, what she says should have more weight than what you say. If she has been elevated into the office of a bishop, then God is dealing with her differently than what he's dealing with you. Every, every preacher ought to say amen right there. Because if you're a preacher, a man or a woman of God who's preaching the word, the worst thing that can happen while you are ministering is for you to be common with the people. Because they will not respect your word any longer. They began to work 
signs and wonders. And it says, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So after this happened, God working miracles. The apostles come back to Solomon's porch. They walk through the, the, the uh, Gentiles court. Then they walk up the steps into the outer court. Then they walked up one more step into Solomon's porch. And they were standing there where everybody was coming up into the pulpit. Solomon's porch. They were all coming up there. But now that God had, had, had uh, the Holy Spirit had killed Ananias and Sapphira, when they go into Solomon's porch on this day, Look at that 13th verse. It says that the disciples, the apostles went up into Solomon's porch. He says, but and of the rest does no man join himself to them. So now because fear had come upon them, when the apostles came up into Solomon's porch, the other ones stayed down there. He said no one would go up there anymore because, and it says because no man joined himself to them but the people magnified them they said it's something different about the apostles God is using the apostles God is having his way through the man of God why would you want to be a bishop or apostle if it doesn't make a difference why do you want to be a deacon if it doesn't make a difference why are you in your position striving and God anoints you and puts you in these places for you to be common with everybody else? God pulled you out to put his word in you that it would make a difference. There is an anointing in your life that's different from everybody else. And when the people magnified them in that 13th verse, in other words, they spoke highly of them. They respected them. They gave them the respect that they do, that, that was due them. They didn't see them like everybody else. When I was growing up, and I began to, and when I was growing up, I'm talking about in the ministry now, I've been in ministry over 40 years, but when I was growing up in ministry, and, and I would go, uh, to the houses of the saints back then. And, and when I'd pull up in the yard, we'd go up and knock on the door. And somebody would say, Pastor's out there. And, I, and then you hear commotion going on. The TV stopped playing. You hear doors slamming and stuff moving around. Then people come to the door and say, come on in, Pastor. But now when I go to people's house, come on in, Pastor. Excuse my mess. They're still in their slippers and the hairs. You know, they just come on in. And they, they, they don't make a difference. It's almost like family comes in. They, they don't show respect the way they used to. You follow what I'm saying? And that's because you got common. In Israel, they say if shepherds get too close to the sheep, the sheep will bite. Like, I got to close this. 
Verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. See, if you want to see revival, then start putting back respect where respect is due. Start honoring whom honor is due. We've done everything else, and we don't see God moving. I said, well, what's the missing element? The missing element is right here. There are folk dying in church that shouldn't be dying. People are sick, and God comes to heal. But it looks like people are dying with sicknesses that are saved. They shouldn't be dying while they're saved when God comes to heal and deliver out of sickness. But we don't have the power to lay hands on the sick anymore because when we as men and women of God with an anointing to heal, the people treat us like Jesus' hometown treated him. He went to his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles there because they were too close. That's Joseph's son. And he said he couldn't do nothing but heal a few headaches. But when people, and he said, the prophet is our honor. That's why when we get someone to come in from somewhere and we don't know who they are, oh, my God, the people fall on the floor and, 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 and God seems to be moving through them because they respect the man or the woman of God they don't know. But then when that person leaves and then it gets back to, the, gets back to your pastor, to your bishop, then the, then the healing anointing that you receive from that traveling evangelist, you got your crutches again in two weeks. Why? Because we're too close. So he, he's saying here that, that they got, they, that look at verse 15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter See, the thing we have to do as men and women of God, it gets some anointing in us. We got to get some anointing. You are anointed on for the position, but you're anointed in for the ministry. The anointing comes on you so that you can become who you are. But if you don't have the anointing in you, Peter had so much anointing in him that people walking by him. He had so much anointing to just and over because he has spent time with the Lord. Church, help your pastor spend time with the Lord. Your pastor doesn't need to be doing a whole lot of maintenance work, a whole lot of opening doors and locking the doors, a whole lot of other stuff that gets them off their knees and off their prayer and study so that they can get anointed. But when they're doing the task that God has appointed you to do, then they can give themselves to prayer and study of the word so that when they stand up, they have an anointing to release. So if your preacher can't release an anointing, you better get to work. Find out what you can take off her. And if she says, no, don't do it right now, you be persistent. Because so many people come and say, I give you, I give you a hand. Then you release it to them to help, to help. And then when you start expecting them to help, they stop showing up. And then when you really need the help because you thought you put yourself out there to help, and then they don't show up, then it puts a double <laughs> burden on them because now they got to be, she has to be concerned about you concerned about the work and then still concerned about the ministry and now she's got to run down behind you to see what your problem is 
but revival. Revival. When everybody is doing their part, God will move mightily. Let's give God a hand praise at this time.